are living in some, uh, some uh, unprecedented times. And I, I really didn't want to share this till later. And I kept saying, Lord, now I've got this series going. How many know what you think and God thinks are two different things? And you just got to figure that out about your life. You may be, here's the way life's going to be from here on out. You got plans. You got things you want to do. But there, if, if you have a nudge on the inside to alter those plans, you better listen to what he's saying to you inside. So I had a nudge inside of me to go this direction. I told somebody, we had a prayer meeting yesterday and had a big crowd, good crowd here, wow. Uh, I told them I got three messages I can minister today and um, you need to figure out which one God say. And so this is it. I want to talk to you about living in a time of great deception. I won't get through today because I got a lot of ground to cover here. But... um we Listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Every believer in America needs to hear this message. And I pray that God deals with pastors of local churches, I don't care what size they are, to share truths from God's Word because we are living in an extremely interesting day. Um, I keep feeling the nudge from the Holy Spirit to depart a minute from my notes and share this. Sunday, October 6th, um, uh, Sunday night, we had a prayer meeting. And I've shared this in our prayer meetings here, and I've shared it at other various times. But I need to give a context here. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, often when God uses you, uh, sometimes you don't, feel, you, you don't feel like it. You ever been so tired you just don't feel like it? You know, I can, I'm probably some of you singers shaking your head. You've probably gotten up here to sing. It's like, I don't feel like doing this today. I'm sure Joshua's gotten up here and thought, I don't feel like doing this today. I can't tell how many times I've gotten up to preach and I just don't feel like doing this today. Well, I, I got up to pray. I lead the prayer meetings here. We have public prayer meetings, which most people don't attend. My encouragement because of our future start coming. It's just once a week. Now it's 9 o'clock on Saturdays. But this time it was Sunday evening, 6 o'clock. And I told the Lord, I just don't feel like praying tonight. I'm tired. And he didn't say anything about that. So we came up, I started praying. And the Holy Spirit came on me. To make a really long, longer story short, God spoke to me. And I had no idea, y'all. This is October 6th. What's that, seven, eight months ago. Here's what he said to me. There is coming in our not-too-distant future a sudden challenge. And I put in parenthesis when I wrote it down as a nation. I... Uh, uh, I do not know what it is, comma. And then I wrote down, but it will be a catalyst for Joel 2.28 to be made manifest. There is a fresh moving of the Spirit, but it will come as people are unusually challenged. Question, have we been unusually challenged? All my life, I've read Joel 2.28, for those that don't know what it says, Come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my servants and handmaidens will I pour out of my Spirit in those days. Now, that, that verse, and so I've always interpreted that. There's going to be a great move of the Spirit of God. We're all going to be happy and wonderful did you know that's not part of the equation? The other part of the equation is this is going to come during a time of great challenge. Now I've got to slow down so this will sink in. I want you to hear me. When God does amazing things, it's usually during a time of great challenge. I've had two courses 
on the history of revival in the Christian church during my studies. And all of them, uh, and they said it over and over and over again throughout the course, was that any time there's been a great move of God, it come during a time of great test. I'm using my words. Or a great challenge, duress, every time. And friends, it will be no different when that Joel 2.28 prophecies fulfill when the Holy Spirit manifests in a strong way. Why? Because during times of challenge, people don't know what to do. And some, for the first time in their lives, are opening their hearts up to hear what God may be saying to them. We're going to see a lot of people come to Jesus in our future. Are you ready to give of yourself to other people? Are you ready to say what maybe you've never said? Act in ways you've never acted and minister life to people in ways you never have. That's what God's challenged in the church with today. How many hear me? So we are living, having said all that, we're living in the time just before Jesus comes back. And uh, uh, these last three months and when this first came out, if you were watching online, I said this. I don't think this has anything to do with... Uh, the, the, with uh, specifically with Jesus coming back except for the fact that or there are no Bible prophecies being fulfilled except that this is a dry run of things that are to come. So I want you to hear me. And I heard, I, I, you know, I hadn't, I didn't get that from anybody, but I've noticed I, I listen, try to listen broadly to others and what they're saying. I've heard numbers of people say the same thing. This is a precursor or a dry, I've, I've had other pastors that I don't know say this is a dry run. So I'm thinking, wow, wow, that's what the Lord showed me. Friends, things are happening. They're happening quickly and they're happening rapidly. What you need to know is uh, what's happening now is fitting into a biblical pattern. And let me just run through this because I want to set a framework for what I'm about to say. We're living in a time of extreme deception. And if you're not careful... Uh, you will be deceived. What the last three months, listen to me, have taught us is it's really easy to deceive a lot of people. Did you hear me? For instance, the pandemic. None of the charts worked out. This was supposed to kill untold millions of people. I went back and researched history um, you know, the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, one killed 75 million people worldwide in the Middle Ages. Another one killed 25 million and then get closer to us as you go through the years. They, they killed several million. This pandemic was nowhere near that. How many hear me? But it shut down our economy and uh, cost a lot of people their jobs and now the, the problems that it's creating by us shutting it down are much worse than the pandemic itself. How many hear what I'm saying? And we value human life. And we don't want anybody to die. But there's always been flu seasons and all that. And, and this is sort of like a flu season. How many hear me? So I'm just, I said all that to say deception is everywhere. And this was a, a dry run for things that are to come. We are living, now let me say this. We're living in the days, I hear what I believe. And, you know, I tend to be quite conservative in what I say publicly. I do a lot of reading. And then when I minister, I, I you know, I just got a conservative side to me. I don't like to be out there on the ragged edge. You know, other people, they have a ministry and they're always on the ragged edge. Of saying things, well, I don't know, maybe. You know, I'm just a pastor. I like to preach and teach the Word. But what I'm about to say, it comes from my heart. 
I absolutely believe that we are the generation that will see Jesus return. And you've heard me say from this pulpit many times, every generation has believed that. God set it up that way so it would purify us and it would keep us looking towards him and, uh, and, and living for him. How many hear me? But there's some things that have happened, and here's what I want you to hear. There's some things that have happened in the last uh, 70 years or so that lead us to think that we just really may be that generation. I do a lot of study, and I have a lot of notes. I need to put them all in book form. I need somebody to help me. But nonetheless, uh, in my studies, here's what I found out. God told Israel, if you disobey me, I will remove you from your land, and it will become a desolate place. And y'all, in A.D. 70, under the Roman ruler Titus, Israel was removed from their land. By 135 A.D., uh, the land of Israel was no longer Israel. It was Palestinia. It was renamed by the Romans because they wanted to blot out anything that had to do with Jewish people. And uh, so they were completely run out from their land. And, uh, and the land became an absolute desert. I read a, a really interesting article yesterday from the Jerusalem Post. And uh, it was talking about Samuel Clemens, uh, a.k.a. Mark Twain, who 150 years ago went to the land of Israel. And he walked there. And, you know, he didn't mince words. I mean, he was a very plain-spoken person. And he said, nobody won't live. He said, I travel 10 miles and I bet I didn't see 10 people. This is the most ragged. This is my words interpreting what he said. Ragged, awful looking place you've ever seen in your life. There was, you couldn't get anything to grow there. It was like a desert. It was barren. There was nothing there. He said, the only people I saw was a few Bedouin uh, uh, settlers over here in some tents. Other than that, it was an awful, awful place. Jerusalem. Was a, was a terrible, there was nobody there. And then in 1970, uh, 17, a man with the last name Balfour gave a declaration that people, Jews from all over the world, begin to, could begin to migrate back to their land in 19, May of 1948. For the first time since the first century, Israel became a nation again, recognized by the UN. How many hear me? You, you think nothing, that is a huge deal, y'all. And now, as prophet Isaiah said, the desert has blossomed like a rose. In some places in Israel, they, uh, they are able to grow more food per square inch than any other place in the world. It is an amazing phenomenon. And the Jewish race has given to the world because of their ingenuity and their wisdom that actually came from God. Whether they know Jesus or not, God has that, that race. There's something about them that God loves and he wants them to come to the Messiah. But they have given to the world so many patents for so many things that have made modern life what it is today. You can read books about this. I'm just saying that we have witnessed a phenomenon that a nation that was not became a nation again. It's the only time in history that has ever happened. Nations, if, you, if you're a student of history, nations have disbanded, but they never got back together again. This is, the, this is the only time in history a nation actually came back together. It's an amazing phenomenon. 1967, with the Six-Day War, right around this time, June 1967, uh, Israel reoccupied and regained control of Jerusalem for the first time since the first century. How many heard what I just said? 
and they uh, and they gain control of uh, Jerusalem. Now I want to cha- change and talk about this a minute. And um, and then let me also say this: uh, in 19, in 2017, three years ago, for the first time. Now on paper we've said it, but nobody's done it for the first time. Uh, the United States recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moved our U.S. embassy there. You ought to be shouting about it. That's a huge deal, y'all. And, uh, you know, it upset the nations around them, but, you know, it was the purpose and plan of God because God's going to be doing things from Jerusalem in the future. How many hear me? Let me also say in, in, 2000, in 1967, when Israel uh, uh, regained the uh, control of Jerusalem, uh, the, uh, Israel also gave the permissions to, uh, to oversee the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is where the Wailing Wall is. There are two uh, Islamic mosques there, the Alaska Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. They're both there on the Temple Mount. They're on one side and you got the Wailing Wall on another side there. They gave the permissions to a committee in Jordan, the country of Jordan, to oversee the Temple Mount and all of the architectural things that are there. They just didn't want to mess with it. They didn't want the hassle of it. And so uh, there was a committee, and, and it's been, nothing's been going on with that for, for decade after decade after decade since 1967. But last year, for the first time, Israel opened up for other people other than the Jordanians to, to oversee this committee that oversees the, uh, the Temple Mount, and they allowed Turkey to have representatives on that committee and I'm not using all the terminology because you wouldn't understand it if I did. And, and then just, just this last week, listen to this, they allowed Saudi Arabia. They're voting to allow some delegates from there. Why am I saying that? Because that Temple Mount, there's going to be another Jewish temple rebuilt. And the person I was listening to, a, to an, a very interesting news broadcast about that from the Middle East a few days ago. And they said this, said, you don't realize what's happening in most of the world uh, has no clue what's going on because of the all of the corona things that we've been dealing with and then the riots in the U.S., which actually have spread to London. Did I read Berlin, somewhere in Germany? Uh, you know, these things are destabilizing the world. But we don't realize what's going on underneath the surface. And this person said what's happening is there could be a, an agreement of peace, some kind of agreement because of all of the nations now that are working with the Temple Mount. So y'all, what that tells me is, and here's what you need to know. Uh, Daniel the prophet, 2,500 years ago, got a revelation from uh, 24, 2,300. Got a revelation from God that uh, of 490 years of Israel's existence in the future, seven of those years have not been fulfilled. And God told Daniel that there's going to be an agreement between Israel and its adversaries. That, that agreement, when it's entered into, starts God's time clock for Israel ticking again. And once again, God will begin to deal with the Jewish race that has rejected Jesus as Messiah. We know that as the tribulation. Now, that's a common term when you hear tribulation. Everybody goes, well, my Lord, you know. But uh, anyway, that's what we know that as. So I want to say this on the heels of that. So we're entering into a time of God dealing with the sinfulness of the human race. How many hear me? Jesus is coming back again. How many believe that Jesus is coming back again? Do you really believe it? So the second time he comes back won't be like his first coming. 
His first coming was peaceful. The angels are singing. People were just glad. Second time he comes back, I mean, all hell breaks loose. Because the enemy of our soul, he wants to keep hold of the earth that he got control over from Adam. And Jesus is not about ready to let that happen. So he's coming back as a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. So let me say this, and this is not popular, but I need to say this. And I'm not eating. Can I just talk? Because you need to hear this. Most of the Christians in America, and if you're watching me online, hear me well. Um, I don't need your comments. Make them if you want. Most of the Christians in America have the idea that we're not going to be here when this time, seven-year time period, God showed Daniel, called Daniel's 70th week or the tribulation. Most Christians think we're going to be raptured away. Friends, you are going to be here during the first part of that time. Now, that's not popular, and people get upset when I say it. So let me say this. I'd rather you be upset with me for saying it now than being upset with me after these things happen and come back to me and say, why, you, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me? I could have at least got myself ready mentally and emotionally. This has taken me by surprise. Pre-tribulation rapture. I can't find it anywhere in Scripture. I preached it for 25 years, but 10 years ago. Uh, you can call it what you want, an epiphany. and a, a, peer, a God just messed with me. I cried my eyeballs out about what I'd been preaching for 25 years. And I had to, so to speak, eat crow on Sunday morning. Many of you were here. And I spoke about what God had showed me. And I went into detail on how I knew and how I believe the Scriptures are very clear that uh, believers will be here during the first part of the time that this man called Antichrist is revealed. When this seven-year time period begins called tribulation, there is, a, there is a man the Bible calls the man of sin. He's called Antichrist by John in 1 John because he's against Christ. Anti means against. He's against Christianity. He's against the things that Christianity believes. He's the, he's the polar opposite in most ways of what we think and what we believe. So... Again, um, uh, the, the last three months, they're, they're, they're a dry run of things that are coming. And y'all, it could be that in the not too distant future, we don't know what kind, it's just some kind of agreement. We don't know what kind of agreement it is. It might be uh, popular, it might be well known, or it might be maybe under cuff and not known. But when this agreement is entered into between Israel and its enemies, just it signifies, and the person that helps make that happen is the person the Bible calls Antichrist. And y'all, we're very close. I, I guess you realize that our nation, the United States, the current administration, they have formulated a peace plan. And that peace plan includes separating and dividing Jerusalem into two sections, East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, letting East Jerusalem be uh, be uh, 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 controlled by the Arabs, the Palestinians, and then Western Jerusalem being controlled by the Jews. And in that way, pacifying the long-standing challenges between those two. And uh, so, um, uh, you know, Netanyahu was re-elected. I don't want to bore you with all this. Is this boring? You just got to listen. Netanyahu was re-elected. Uh, they have a strange... I don't understand their government, frankly. But he has to win a majority of his, uh, of his party. 
He didn't. He still he won the popular election, but he's just recently formed his his co- coalition of people that help him govern, and they're thinking very 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 soon they're going to seek to enact that peace plan that has been uh, that has been laid out by the United States and and there are a few other countries that are in favor of it. Most of the Arab countries are not, but it's going to take a person. It's going to take a person from the Middle East that is able to foment all of those nations that don't like Israel together and, and convince them that this is the thing to do. So, y'all, I said all that to say that, that we are right in the middle of a strange, strange time on planet Earth. And it's the time just before a serious kind time called the tribulation. Let me also say I went for a walk. I usually walk for exercise or ride my bike. Yesterday, I walked a couple of miles and I always listened to something. And yesterday, anybody know Rick Joyner? Morning Star Ministries. You know, he's an, un, he's an interesting guy. I like him. I actually like this guy. I read his book years ago. He, uh, what made him popular was The Final Quest. I don't know. It was written many, many years ago. Uh, but he has a prophetic tone to his ministry in uh, uh, December of 2018. Uh, and this is what he was talking about yesterday. And, and here's what he said is happening now. December of, uh, 18th or 19th, 2018. He had a prophetic dream. And some people have those. And the Lord spoke to him in the dream and said, there's coming another a second civil war to America. Yesterday during my walk, I heard him say he has a rant, Rick's rant. You can find it on YouTube and you can listen to what I, I heard yesterday. He said, I believe right now this is the beginning stages of that civil war. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So the whole world is, is being divided so that the whole world can be conquered. How many hear what I just said? And there is the spirit of Antichrist behind all of the things that we're dealing with right now. And uh, you just need to know it. I don't care if you disagree with me. I just want you to let me say it. So I want to share some things here. I'm, I'm conscious of the clock. I'll just keep going till I'm done next week, the week after. Is that okay? Because I want you to hear this. The underlying factor under all of what I just said is God loves people. And He wants people to come to know Him. Uh, and a large segment of the church in America and the West particularly, we have laid down. And we have, be- we have become lukewarm. And we have become unconcerned. More concerned about us and our stuff than others and their salvation. And God's seeking to make a huge change in the church today. God so loved the world, John 3.16, that He gave His only Son. How many hear me? So we're living in a time that God is after the salvation of the lost. And to do that, you know what? He's, uh, the, uh, the, he's allowing the uh, apple cart to be upset all over the world. This has been challenging times. I have friends who live in other nations. They've been in lockdown mode. And, and the strange thing about this lockdown, we ought to be out of it, but we're not. Some states are. Some states aren't. Uh, and then other parts of the world are out of it. And I've got some friends still locked down just like us. It's a strange day. There's more there than meets the eye. As I get into this, you'll see what I'm saying. But I want you to listen to Second Peter chapter 3. This is Peter. How many believe the Bible is the Word of God? How many believe that we can't just take portions we like and leave the rest of it alone? You have to believe the whole thing. 
or don't believe any of it. So this is Second Peter. Peter, um, you know, Peter, when he came to Jesus, he was hard-headed. He was outspoken. And, you know, he was just, he was just that way. He denied Jesus when, when Jesus was taken by the Roman officials and, 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 and repented when Jesus was raised from the dead and fell in love with Jesus so much that when he became a martyr, they were, cru- were going to crucify him the way they did Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy. I want you to turn me upside down and let me be crucified with my head almost on the ground because I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Savior was. Peter changed. And I love to read his epistles, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, this is Passion Translation. I read this translation because it gives nuances to the original language, the Greek, that you sometimes can't find in a one-word translation. It's really good. And so Peter says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply, chasing after their evil desires. They'll say, So what about this promise of His coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, yet everything's still the same as it was since the beginning of time until now. But they can, and so think, why do you think Jesus is coming back? Everybody in every generation is thinking Jesus is coming back. You, you Christians are cuckoo. You keep saying Jesus is coming back. Everything continues. It's party on. Let's have a big time. Shut up. Let me enjoy my life. Every generation said it. But they conveniently, verse 5, overlooked that from the beginning the heavens and earth were created by God's word. He spoke and the dry ground separated from the waters. Then long afterwards he destroyed the world with a tremendous flood by those very waters in Noah's day. Verse 7, and now by the same powerful word, the heavens and earth are reserved, listen, for fire being kept for judgment day when all the ungodly were perished. So, dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts like a thousand years to Lord Yahweh, and a thousand years counts as one day. This uh, means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with His promise to return as some measure lateness. But rather, His delay simply reveals His loving patience towards you. Because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The, and then he says this, and this is quite shocking. The day of the Lord will come and take everyone by surprise. As unexpected as a home invasion, the atmosphere will be set on fire and vanish with a horrific roar. And the heavenly bodies will melt away as in a tremendous blaze. The earth and every activity of man will be laid bare. Now listen to me. Um, really quite strange that he said that the day of the Lord is the day the Bible talks about. You can read about it in the book of Revelation, Revelation 8. It looks like meteorites strike the earth, and then there's some fairly large earthquakes that occur, and nature turns against itself. Nature turns against humanity, and there's moving and shaking. It even affects the atmospheric heavens. Now, the good news, listen, look at me. The good news is I don't believe we'll be here during that time. That's the very last part of that seven-year period people typically call the tribulation. It's called the day of the Lord. The rapture of the church, I believe, is going to happen. And I'll talk about this Wednesday night because I'll come back and start teaching on the book of Revelation chapter 7. But listen to me. We won't be here. We'll be taken out of here before that happens. But friends, you've got people that you work with. You got family members. You got people that live on your street. 
that don't know the Lord. And you know what? If they don't go up, when you go up in the rapture of the church, they're going to go through this. Do you want them to? Huh? I got family members that don't know the Lord. I don't want them to go through that. You want your family members to go through that? That's the reason God's stirring us up as the church. That's the reason there's another awakening. There's a revival, a move of God that God spoke to Joel about because he doesn't want anybody to go through this. It's coming and it'll be strong and it'll not be fun. So I as a pastor have to warn you. I'd like to say wonderful days of peace are ahead. No, you don't know what's ahead. This is a dry run. And here's what I, as I pray, here's what I keep hearing is not going to stop. It'll be one event right after another. I don't know what those events are, and I don't know what that means when I say that. I just know when I pray, I have a knowing inside. This is not going to cease. It'll just keep going, 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 going. And you know what? <laughs> yeah, we shut church down for three months. Does that mean every time something happens, we're going to shut down? Somewhere, we have to draw a line and be the church and live what we believe even if people disagree with us. So what about disobeying the government? There's a place where you say, you know what? I've got to obey God rather than man. How many hear me? So I'm going to lay that right there, leave it there. Verse 13, since all these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? We must be consumed with godliness while we anticipate and he and help speed up the coming of the day of God. When the atmosphere will be set on fire and the heavenly bodies consumed in a blaze. But as we wait, we trust God's royal proclamation to be fulfilled. There is coming uh, heaven's new in quality and the earth new in quality where righteousness will be fully at home. That's the new heavens and new earth spoken of in Revelation 21 and 22. So, my beloved friends, with all that you have to look forward to, may you be eager to find found, may you be eager to be found living pure lives when you come into his presence without blemish and filled with peace. And keep in mind that our Lord's extraordinary patience simply means more opportunities for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Isn't that good? So, so every day that Jesus doesn't come back, every day things are delayed, it's another day for us to share Jesus with people. That's, that's God's perspective. Having said that, a great revival is in view. It's coming. I just quoted this verse. Here's Joel chapter 2, verse 28. But I want you to notice the context. And this is what people aren't seeing. People for all my whole life, I've been in Jesus. This is my 44th year. And I've heard people all of my Christian life, oh, great revival's coming before Jesus comes back. And we just think it's all wonderful. Well, it's wonderful that revival's coming, but it's not a wonderful time. Then after doing these things, Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. Now, what do you think blood and fire and columns of smoke represent? Mass mayhem. The riots, the demonstrations, there's blood, there's fire, there's smoke. Is that true? Is he saying that when this revival occurs, 
There's going to be chaos, chaotic conditions, challenges worldwide. That's what he's saying. It's going to happen right now, right when the Antichrist is just about to appear. And during that time, God will be demonstrating himself by the Spirit of God. And so he goes on to say, the sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrive, uh, arrives. Uh, Matthew 24 and, and uh, Revelation 6, when the, when the sun and moon darkens and the stars refuse to give their light, Jesus said it's a sign that he's coming back. It's a sign of the rapture of the church. We'll be whisked away, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape Just as the Lord has said, these are among the survivors whom the Lord will call. Uh, And then I may end with this. i got two more things to share and I'll end. Y'all good? There's also uh, the Apostle Paul revealed that before Jesus comes back, there will be a great falling away from the faith. Now, all my life, I've taken Kenneth Wiest's ideas of that. Kenneth Wiest was a Bible scholar and he said that falling away could be the rapture of the church. I've since read, I just bought this this huge volume of books. I got it really on sale from ancient writings of the forefathers, first 300 years of the church. All of them believed that the church is going to be here when the Antichrist reveals himself. How many hear me? And all of them mentioned the great falling away from the faith that will occur. When the Antichrist is revealed. I'm saying all that to say I don't want you to fall away. When hardship comes and you think it ought to be blessing and prosperity and, you know, everything wonderful. Well, it's going to get hard. And I don't want you to fall away from the faith when it does. And I didn't say it. I don't know if I did or not. But God gave me something just before I came up here and I didn't even say it. During the time to come. He's going to watch over us in an amazing way. And I, I had a mental image of a, of, a, of a hen with the hen's wings out and the little yellow bitties underneath. God's going to watch over you. God's going to take care of you. I don't care if it's riots. I don't care if it's coronavirus. I don't care if it's some other catastrophe. God's promised to watch over you. We just got to trust him, y'all. He's big enough to take care of the people he loves. In fact, you know what? He's our shepherd. A shepherd watches over his sheep. He knows his sheep by name. We're in, they're in trouble and, and, and some enemy comes to eat one. He's right there saying, oh, no, you don't. Not over my dead body. How many hear me? So, so you say, well, pastor, you get me all stirred up and anxious. Don't be. God's got you as long as you grab him and you put him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But nonetheless, here, Paul revealed that there's going to be a great falling away and it happens right around the time that the Antichrist reveals himself. Now listen, everybody hear me? And I know there's some of you saying you don't know what you're talking about, you're wrong. I'm fine. Say I'm wrong. I'm good with that. But just listen. Listen. 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Verse 2 of 2 Thessalonians 2, don't be easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. And some in the first century were saying that it's already happened and none of this stuff's going to bother you. Don't believe them even if they claim they've had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. They were deceivers in the first century. They'll be deceivers in the 21st century. And so he says, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until, in fact, the day that Jesus comes back in the rapture will not come unless there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. That's talking about this person the Bible calls the man of sin or the Antichrist. Friends, he's, it's really close to manifesting in the Middle East. Did you hear what I just said? It's really, really close. The world is uh, being set up for this to occur. There's so much I want to say, but the clock is against me. We'll have to do it next Sunday. Then he says, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. Everybody say lawlessness. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. And then not immediately, but later on. But the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will do the work of Satan with counterfeit power. Signs, miracles, he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those who were on their way to destruction because they refused to love uh, and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Now, now, I, I need to start here next Sunday. I got one more thing to share. There, we are living in a day of great deception. Did you hear what I just said? And I'll start this next Sunday. If you're believing everything that you hear, you will probably be deceived. And you know what has hurt my heart? Most people are easily deceived. That's sad. What's been happening in the last three months? In fact, I'm going to end with this. I said I keep saying I'm going to end. I got to. The whole world's been on lockdown with the coronavirus. When that first happened, second week in uh, March, I had a board meeting with Evangel Fellowship International. Came back from that. Came back from that on the 12th. I was gone from the 10th through the 12th. Got back on a Thursday and, and got to seeking the Lord. And when I got back, man, you know, this thing started you know, stirring up the coronavirus, COVID-19. So I got to praying and, you know, I pray a certain amount of time every day and I was in my prayer time and I really was just minding my own business. Now, I got to say this. Now, God speaks to me with words. I'm, I love words. In fact, I've got books in my office on the etymology, the or- origin of words. I love words, the origin of words. And I just love words for some reason. I'm a word, I just, wordsmith. I love words and God speaks to me often with one word. For instance, uh, four years ago, uh, I needed to make some changes on how we govern the church. And God gave me one word the second week of January. It's the word trendsetter. 
Now, I could go into that. It'd take me a long time to explain, but it happened just that way. So I, I became a trendsetter. I had to do things that had not been done here before. And it wasn't, wasn't fun or easy, but we did it, and it was good. The end result was wonderful. But, and then over the years of time, God's just given me one word, or gave me three words. Maybe because it was such a big deal when I came here in 1994. In 1993, God gave me three words after a time of prayer. Already existing church. And it was this church. This church was born in September 1st, 1884. And I took it over in October of 1994. Figure that out. But God gave me that word. So I was praying when this virus first erupted. And, you know, when after I pray, I usually sit there quiet a little bit, you know. And then I'll get up and, and go do something. And usually it's when I'm up doing something. This word. And, and I don't even use this word. When I was thinking about the coronavirus, the COVID-19, the effects, then the following Sunday was the last Sunday we had church. Y'all remember? Was that March the what? 12th? 12th, 13th, 14th? March 14th, is that right? 14th, 15th, Sunday. Uh, this word. So I just couldn't get it out of my... It kept rising up. And it's the word nefarious. Now at the time, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what to think about it. I didn't know what to say about it. I told a few people close to me, but not anybody else. But I had to look it up. What is nefarious? I don't use that word in my natural vernacular. Nefarious, wicked in the extreme. This is what the dictionary says. Abominable, atrociously sinful, or villainous, detestably vile. Or if you really want the shades of what a word means, look up the synonyms. Look at the synonyms on the screen. Put them up there. Wicked, evil, sinful, iniquitous, villainous, criminal, heinous, atrocious, appalling, abhorrent, vile, foul, base, abominable, odious, depraved, corrupt, shameful, scandalous, monstrous, fiendish, diabolical, devilish, unholy, ungodly, infernal, satanic, dark, unspeakable, despicable, outrageous, shocking, disgraceful. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's what I did. What? What? Bottom line, this was being used for another purpose. Now, I put this on my Facebook. And Facebook's, you know, it is what it is. Most of it, I don't care for. But I use it as a tool. And now it's being censored, by the way. Uh, several days ago, in fact, uh, Saturday a week ago, there's a man from Florida who has a prophetic ministry. His name's Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know a lot about him. I read a few things from him. But, uh, and I believe this did happen to him. He said he had an open vision. He was praying and had an open vision. Now I say I believe in that. One of the Bible schools I went to, Kenneth Hagin, would have open visions because he stood in a prophet's ministry. He had Jesus appear to him uh, eight times in the 1950s several times after that and then I was in Tulsa and he had some supernatural things like open visions while he was preaching and I happened to be there so I understand that it's gifts of the spirit the gift of the gift of discerning of spirits is seeing into the realm of spirits and this man Jeremiah Johnson from Florida 
Saturday a week ago, had an open vision while he was praying. He had been praying. And uh, a demonic spirit was right before him. And he saw it. And the thing spoke to him and said, I exist to deceive the whole world. And it said, just as there are forerunners in the kingdom of God that go before the Son of Man, so I am a for I am a forerunning spirit in the kingdom of darkness that has been sent before the coming of the man of lawlessness. And then he went on to say, uh, he had been challenged by the praying church. The demonic spirit in the open vision said, I've been challenged by church people that pray. Because praying hindered what he wanted to do. Then lastly, I said all that to say this. Um, his true plans and purposes, he said. And he was sent by the devil to disrupt systems, divert attention, and release chaos in the land. Did you hear what it, I just said? It said in that open vision this guy had, I've come to disrupt, disrupt systems, divert attention, release chaos in the land and then he said this he said we're using the media as a tool now you know before I read that in my heart I said something's wrong here people are being misinformed by people they think they trust and they're not hearing what is correct and y'all it's happening all over the world and it is a forerunner of this man of lawlessness that will gain control of the Middle East, make a peace treaty with, of some degree with Israel, and then rise to power. He'll have political power. He'll have some semblance of military power and also some semblance of economic power. And uh, he will have great influence in the Middle East. And to some degree, it'll affect the whole world. We just don't know how much. I think it has to do with the leaders that we elect. How many heard what I just said? Now I got a whole lot more, but I ran absolutely out of time. Deception, my friend. I'll start here next time. Deception is everywhere. You can look in my notes. There's a whole list of words that shows what the the, the demonic realm is doing right now to bring deception before the Antichrist appears. So I'm going to read the list and I'm done. Abortion. Same-sex marriage. This is what the spirit of Antichrist pushes and friends, these things are in our nation, and they're worldwide. Listen, abortion, same-sex marriage, pornography, living together without marriage. The Bible calls it fornication. Sex outside of the bonds of marriage, relative values. That means there is no right and wrong. i got things I want to say. I don't have time. Socialism, communism, control, atheism, lawlessness, Fear, godlessness, immorality, that means any kind of morals go. Divisiveness, inequality, rioting, violence, division, racism. All of those, the Antichrist stirs up and that spirit behind him. And friends, it's happening in America today. And inside of you is a person that is greater than the person in the world. Bottom line, God wants us to pray. I don't care if you don't usually pray, but say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to sleep when you go to bed. Or you pray over your food. God is great. God is good. Let us pray. Thank you for it. Well, I don't care. Start praying. 
I don't care if all you do right now in prayer is say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start there. But start praying and asking God to position you and your family where you need to be before Jesus comes back. Start praying for your family members that don't know the Lord. The people you work with that don't know the Lord. The people you live around that don't know the Lord. Start praying on purpose and asking God to make you a blessing to them. Because we're living in a day Oh, Joel 2 is going to be fulfilled. But not the way you think. There's a tremendous moving of the Spirit. But it comes in a time that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Stand up on your feet and finish.